Thanks for listening to the Women Emerging podcast. Every week we put up a new episode with insights into leadership, practical leadership, seen through the eyes of women leaders of all ages and all sectors from right across the world. Our aim is for women to be able to say, if that's leadership, I'm in. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and join Women Emerging on our website, womenemerging.org. That's womenemerging.org for more fabulous free leadership content. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Julia Middleton here, Director of Women Emerging and your podcast host. I can hear people screaming, okay, Julia, just get on and write this book and stop talking to about us about what you're going to write in the book on the podcast. I hope to not too many of you are shouting that, but I know some are. Let's face it, we've had seven episodes on our essence and the essence being what we draw from when we're leading And we then had four episodes on the energy that we create when we're leading. And then last week, I tried to give you some glimpse of how essence begins the book and energy is where we get to in the book. But okay, leave me to my agony. I will continue to write the book and let's have less torturing and let's get back now. Let's do some episodes of the podcast that are just, again, about hearing the joy of other women's stories, some of those beautiful stories. And I think we're going to do this by asking a series of women from different parts of the world to choose a few objects, physical objects, that somehow illustrate a moment in their journey as leaders, a moment that mattered a lot to them, and to talk about those objects, why they choose them, and what was that turning point that the object somehow illustrates. And we're going to start with Utara, and I think quite rapidly you will understand why I chose Utara. Utara, I love you so much for being the first of the Leader Journey podcast episodes. This is going to be a format where we talk to you about your leadership learning journey and the sort of pivotal, the the sort of tricky or wonderful or glorious or or whatever moments that have shaped, shaped that journey. I think before we start, can I ask you, at the moment now, where are you doing your leadership? Definitely in my work. I am a social activist. I run two NGOs. So definitely with my immediate team. But also I see that when I interact with the with the larger audience, the target audience that we work with, which is primarily low-income, differently educated women in rural areas in Karnataka, India, I have a feeling there also it comes across the leading part of it. And of course, at home, I guess, being a unit, there is some form of leadership. And I I sort of read it, uh, heard it yesterday that, you know, leading yourself is also leadership, right? So I'm also implementing that and leading myself. Tell me about the women 
in the villages that you are leading just tell me a little bit about them so average age is around 35 but they could be anywhere as young as 18 to as old as 65 these are the women these are women who have not had too many opportunities in life or no opportunities in life they've gone from being a daughter to a wife to a mother some of them some of them even tell me the 60 year olds tell me why didn't you come 20 years back where were you like i needed this 20 years back and i feel what i do there is not direct it goes through the team in a lot of ways but it's also direct when i meet them so they're seeking a role model to say yes i can also be confident as her i can voice my opinion as she does so in that way, I feel I am leading. And when you're leading your team, it's a very different kind of leadership. In leading the team, some bit of management comes in because there is obviously some targets we set ourselves. There is funding that comes in, which has to be utilized. So it is a little more structured than leading the women because leading the women is about, I think it comes from passion it comes from remembering what my grandmother's lost out because these women by the way i feel are stuck in that generation i am the lucky few who has who has got all the opportunities so leading them comes from a very i think less strategic place a more passionate and pure place but with my team it is also strategic because i'm also thinking Okay, how are we going to set this? How are we going to move this needle? Things like that also comes in. So I think the management principles comes in there. That's wonderful. So go on then. Tell us, give us, tell us about your first, the first object that has, that sort of captures one of those moments of learning. Thank you for asking me in advance. It took me a long time to sort of come up with it because I couldn't think of objects in particular. I think I should go back to my Acumen Fellowship year, which is 2015. Until then, I don't think I called myself a leader. I was a social worker. I was an activist. I was trying to do some work. But there were some moments then. So I'm going to show you the, the book. The book that I used at that time, which is like, I would say almost like, a, and it's got all these pages and, you know, all these notes that i've written in the middle i've pasted things in the middle it looks like a beautifully leather covered covered book uh, i don't think it's leather i think it's just probably some form of i mean they gave it to us i think they oh, they gave it you right i think i think so i don't remember <laughs> now it's been it's been a long time but i've i've i mean i've stuck things that was given to me by somebody i've stuck things it's a mixture of a scrapbook and a diary yes a journal perhaps yeah but it's also almost like my scripture book and i realize that each time i go back and look into it i'm learning more and i'm like come on i wrote this seven years back how am i coming up with new insights each time but i also feel it's about at what point in your journey you're at right that you go back and see and say ah oh, now this makes sense because there are things which you note down, you discuss, it rationally sounds okay, but then you have not internalized it. So 
yeah, for me, I would say the object is this, but the insights they've got at that time were more around, oh, I am a leader. Oh, this is what leadership is, right? There was a course on adaptive leadership that we went through during the fellowship time. And I have bawled my eyes out because I had breakthroughs after breakthroughs in that one week. And also knowing the dark side of me, that why I behaved a certain way. I used to be a people pleaser. And that came out during that time that I was not leading my team. I was sort of trying to be a nice person, wanting my team to like me. And I would avoid the difficult conversations and decisions. So I feel it really brought out the whole idea of being difficult. Like this journey is difficult to just accept and yeah, to, to sort of understand. I mean, like I said, it's like the adaptive leadership, there were, there was, there were sessions around where I understood my power of being able to navigate, not just my team or the women, but also a larger group when I'm in it, that I'm able to steer the course of conversation and I wouldn't accept it. Saying, no, 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 I'm not doing it. No, no, somebody else did it, not me. But actually I was doing it. And I do realize it now that there is something called aura. There is something called more than just words, that there is an energy to it. And you end up using it without even consciously knowing about it. It's a very subconscious thing. So I would say I, would, I even understood how leadership is also subconscious. This is one other thing I understood that year. Though it was during the year, but I met someone and realized that till then I was expecting everybody to be like me, not just like me in the sense of wanting to please them, but thinking that, oh, we're all similar. So with my team, I would, my leadership would be in such a way that I was leading myself. I'd say, Hey, this has to get done. This is how blah, 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 blah. Right. And I had this thing of like complete freedom being given because I believed in this whole Oh, I want to be a democratic leader. And I would sit everybody down and decisions would never be made because we would keep going round and round. And I think I finally understood, oh, I like a blank sheet of paper to draw whatever I want. Not everybody likes it. They want structure. People want to be led. And some people even want to be managed. That was a like slap in the face reality that came to me in a very bad way that I managed. Like the team dynamics went haywire. There were shouts, shouting and tearing, tears and everything that happened in my team as well. And then it struck me saying, oh, that's because I was not taking my responsibility as a leader. Did anybody leave? She's nodding. <laughs> Actually, one person asked me to fire another one. That's how it started. And I was like, okay, what's going on? And he was vehement about it. He said, you better fire the other person. That person doesn't uh, align to our values and culture and it's not working properly. And I was like, okay, so I am the one who said democratic leadership, right? And now what do I do? Because I didn't believe it, right? That the other person did not align or was not working. 
And so I kept trying to convince this person who told me to fire the other. I kept bringing up examples. None of it worked because I think sometimes you can give like too much freedom in a team where everybody is fighting among themselves because everybody thinks they are the leader. That I will listen to whoever tells me whatever because I was not leading clearly at that time. So yeah, I think that would be my first object so who, and story. So who went? Did he go? So finally both went. <laughs> so first he went. So he went and after a few months, the other person also went. Yeah. And the team got going from then on. Yeah. Well, I've had many churns. So it's been 10 years of testing my leadership in a way, 10 to 13 years. I would say it took me a few more years after that to really, and I don't even know if I've still got it, but eh? Just okay, come on, then. come on, time for the next object. So the next object that I have is the adoption birth certificate of my son. Hold it up. I want to see. Read the, read the title. What does it say at the top? It says government of Karnataka, chief registrar of births and deaths. This is to certify that the following information has been taken from an original record of birth, which is registered for, well, the town and, and his name and our names, name of the mother, name of the father, the place of birth. Yeah, basically, in a way, saying that he is our child. And why this is important, though, he's the second child that we adopted. Our first daughter came in almost two and a half, three years before that. And she was always a planned adoption. We always knew we wanted to adopt a girl child, but he was a surprise because he came in our way while we were in an orphanage for something else. And somehow it fit somehow it's a story for another podcast, I think, because it's a long story, but what, and he's severely differently abled. What, why that is an object for me is because, so I am as a person, perfectionist. I like things a certain way. I like things to be perfect. And I strive towards that. And here's a child who does not have a so-called in quotes, normal body structure. And he's not able to do things that others can do, but he's so happy. And I wouldn't say it is one moment, though it is an object, but I wouldn't say it is one day or that moment. But in general, just being around him every day makes me realize about my leadership itself that and about others and how I lead to say nothing is normal. Nobody is perfect. We just use our own abilities to the best that we can. And you have to find happiness in it. It is with you. So I think for me, it is also to say that it's in your hand to find that happiness. <laughs> there is a reason why you're the first, the first person on this journey. Utara. Yeah. Tell me the next object. The next object is from about four, five years ago. It's this book called The Strengths Finder. I took a test probably 10 years ago. Okay. And I got the report. I read it. 
I don't think I really understood it then. Until about four, five years back when my coach, she coached me, she got certified as a Gallup certified strengths coach. And then she sort of coached me on the strengths finder. I mean, it's so strange. So I've done the test. I did an individual report. And then as a team, we have done a team thing, team test and team report. Like three, four times of having gone through it and still not really internalized it. Finally, when she coached me is when I connected it to my leadership. So till then, as a person, like I said, a bit of a people pleaser, a bit of a perfectionist, a bit or a lot. <laughs> I don't know yet. But I would constantly look at, look at improving myself on in places which I'm not good at. Oh, I have to work on this because I'm not good at this. I have this weakness, right? But I have to improve it because I'm I'm a leader, I'm a manager, I'm running this, I have a course, I'm I'm passionate about it. But once I got coached, I re-understood and started applying it that you just have to look from, from the strengths perspective. Forget what you don't have. Look at what you have and then use it in a way that can benefit your strategy implementation, communication, influencing, etc. So I feel that's my third object, which changed the way I started looking at others also. So now almost all my team members, at least the, till the middle managers, we get them to do the test so that I also understand the others to say, oh, this person has this. And when I talk, I say, okay, dude, looks like, you know, this is where your strength is playing out. So maybe, you know, it's better you take this up because my strength doesn't lie there. I have to say, okay, lady, this is, you know, something that you are struggling with. Probably look at harmony, which is one of your strengths. And can you use that to overcome the situation? So being also using the strengths language in the leadership conversation so that the others also accept it. And I clearly accept saying, hey, I don't have strengths in these two aspects, right? So it is important that somebody else takes over or I'll have to use this strength of mine to sort of get over this. What about the, the weaknesses that I convinced myself or somebody else convinced me that I had? And if I didn't address them, I might never have discovered that I wasn't weak in them. It's like, to me, it's so irritating the amount of women who say, I don't do maths. That's my yeah. weakness. I'm not good at maths. And the answer is, I'm not asking you to do a PhD in maths. Just understand the basic numbers because actually you can't be a leader unless you understand the basic numbers. What I'm trying to say is how do you, how do you adopt that approach while managing or even myth busting your weaknesses? Can I give an example probably that might clarify? Of course. I, I've done only my top five strengths test. I've not done the, all the 35, 38, whatever the number is from that. Basically it comes out that I have strategic strengths and I have implementation strengths. I do not have strengths in influencing and communication. Like it doesn't come naturally to me. That's bullshit. Yeah. 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 So you have to hear it out. Like my real good strengths are different. Like my, it, it is not my top five. Let's put it that way. Probably my tops, maybe the six or seven. I hate to think what your strengths are like if communication is a weakness. Never mind, keep going. 
So basically what I do is I prepare a lot. Before I have a meeting, because discipline is one of my strengths. Learner is another strength. Intellection, strategy, these are strengths. So I will strategize. I will prepare the hell out of the meeting. I initially, by the way, now I've gotten good at these conversations because I've done it for 10 years, 13 years. Initially, I would type out, hello, my name is Uttara. I started this NGO and this is what we were. I would type it out and it would be in front of me while I'm on a video call. So I used my discipline and I didn't even know that it was a challenge or communication was a challenge. Like I'm so good at discipline that I would always prepare. Even now I use my discipline. I'm not good at networking. It doesn't come naturally to me, like connecting with people, going to conferences, things like that. But I put it as a discipline saying, no, you have to do this because this is one of the things that's required for it. So I would say, look at what you have. Firstly, just accept that. Yeah, I don't have this. Like, okay, I'm not good at math and it's fine. I'll just hire the best person in math that I require. Firstly, secondly, I will learn to use the calculator, the Excel sheet, the pivot tables, whatever it is. So making do with something that can supplement a part that you're not traditionally good at or naturally good at. So what comes naturally to you? That is what I realized. By the way, the test is pretty accurate. The first time I did it, I said, oh, you know, like today morning, I realized why I'm good at something. I hear a podcast, even if I, it's a two hour podcast and I listened for 10 minutes, I've already learned three things that I can apply. Learner is my first strength. It just comes so naturally to me. Like I can't do anything I've got it. without learning. In, in many ways, you're using your strengths to overcome your weaknesses. Yes. And I've also learned that my strengths are also my weakness. And that came, <laughs> out, that came out two years back when I had a burnout. Because I can overdo my belief. I can overdo my learning. I can overdo my discipline. So then again, I used my belief to tweak it to say, I also believe that I have to be healthy. I also believe that I need to enjoy the journey. I am disciplined now to take breaks, even for lunch. So you can, if you get that mindset shift, and that's why I feel a very critical part in my leadership journey is this book and this test or whatever. I mean, there are online material now for it, that you can learn to be different. Go on now. I know, because I've had sneaky preview, that one of your... Um, objects is a, an apartment plant. Yes, it is. Let me see it. It's alive. Yes, it is alive. <laughs> it's green. Yes. It's flowing. It's beautiful. I, I have, yeah, yeah, yeah. Long and flowy. So I have been those people who has killed a lot of plants before, <laughs> struggled to keep them alive. And then two years back, I just told myself, I got to learn this. This is ridiculous. Discipline playing in here. Discipline playing. And the belief, because I heard that apparently my grandmother had a green thumb. Like if she would just plant a stick and it would grow. I said, I should have got some genetics of it, right? So let me try it. And discipline played in, of course. But what it taught me was also invaluable. Which Firstly, is... talking patience that you can't command 
a plant to grow the pace you want it to grow. Whatever you do, you might over-fertilize and over-water it. It's only going to die, right? So patience is one thing to learn. I also realized that plants are like people. People are like plants. You need to constantly nurture them. You need to constantly be around them. They will sense your energy. They will understand what's going on. So you got to be patient, but also nurturing and also know when to water more, when to water less, what is going on in the environment, the season, and then make the changes. So as a leader, I mean, being a gardener and a leader, I think pretty similar things. You know, I, I'm looking down at a plant that's next to me. Okay. And I think, I think it's called a poinsettia. And so oh. it's, it has beautiful red flowers, which I bought for Christmas. Okay. So then I looked after it beautifully all year, really, really, and it's incredibly healthy, but it's supposed to then have red flowers again the following Christmas. And I was sitting here saying, what happened? Why hasn't it got red flowers? And then, because I'm not like you, Tara, I checked on the internet that this plant only develops the red flowers if you put it in darkness for three months before Christmas. Oh, Wow. That is totally counterintuitive. Yeah. That makes absolutely no sense. I agree. I agree. Even I didn't know that. Wow. But it's also about people, isn't it? It's yes. that just occasionally what you think is so obvious, you, you figured out how to do this, but actually what's going to work for them is completely counterintuitive to what you think. Yeah. 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 Which means you have to be, you have to be observant and you have to be working on your leadership quite a bit. That's what it shows. Like what you Googled and understood. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. And I need to counter my weaknesses, which is that I always look on Google a bit late. <laughs> I always think I know the answer before then. Yeah. Well. Right. Okay. Now I think I'm going to, I think you have a picture of one of your colleagues. Yes, yes. And there's a, by the way, a newer picture of me and her together. We had a retreat. So here's the picture of her and me at our retreat uh, 10 days back. And I'm actually reading out a letter to her um, because I was celebrating her. I was celebrating her service and what she's done. And she's tearing up. I didn't cheer up, thankfully, because I guess I had written and read that letter many times. I can see she's wiping a tear from her eye. Yeah. Yeah. She's been one of the major influences in my leadership journey the last four years. And it's been a slow process. I don't think it started immediately after she joined or anything like that. It's been very slow and we've come to learn each other. She is, I mean, there's no, I can't do this work without her anymore. We are sisters in this. We are partners in crime. And she has been very instrumental in giving me constructive feedback in a very beautiful and loving way. I look forward to her feedback. Usually we don't look forward to feedback as much because there is a slight part of us that will cringe. But with her, it's not because it's both ways. I can equally give and she'll say, yeah, that's true. Like when she told me something, that really struck me the difference between being a manager and a leader. 
and I understood that I'm a terrible manager. <laughs> As evidenced by what? Well, a lot of people, there was a huge attrition in general, or a lot of attrition, and the most attrition was from my team, from people who were reporting to me. Because she said, one, your bars are set too high. You expect too much from people because you're a leader. You think everybody is a leader. Though that had changed, I think I'm still sort of internalizing it. Because in that moment, in that intuitive sense, I, I somehow end up sort of saying, hey, but this has to get done. Like, I just have a laundry list of things that needs to get done for the world to be a different place. And most people are just doing a job. <laughs> For them, it's not not every day about the changing world. And I realized, okay, I can lead certain kinds of people. I cannot lead everyone. I can manage certain kinds of people. I cannot manage everyone. So if you look at the larger population, I'm not a good manager. Okay. What's What's her name? Yeshoda. What does Yeshoda mean? So Yeshoda is the adoptee mother who raised Krishna. Ah. So she has a very big significance in our mythology. So she's got the right name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in a way, I would say. Well, it also means one who is destined to succeed. I think, Utara, your last object is a poem. Oh, yeah. So I don't have it with me because it's a poem that was read out to me at one of our events by a village woman. It made me tear up. I cried quite a bit because it was a poem that praised me, that thanked me. And it really made me understand how much of a responsibility I hold. So these women tell that, you know, here's a woman who started an organization just for us. And usually say, you came for me. They, they, each of them say that you came to my village for me. And they don't mean I went. They mean that the organization, the work, the team went. And I heard this last year, probably a year exactly, maybe March, February, March last year. And it the sense of responsibilities, responsibility has heightened more for me. The way I behave as a leader, because I know people are watching. And now not to please them, not to please anyone, but knowing that I am the role model that people will look up to and that women are looking at me because I look like them. I speak like them. In a way, I am them, but at the same time, they're like, she looks like us, but still she did this. Like if she can do it, maybe I can do it. So that responsibility of also sharing what I've learned as a leader, because I feel each of these women is a leader in her own life, in her family and her village. Imagine if there are villages filled with leaders and women leaders. What a different uh, if, world it would be. Utara, it's quite tough that moment when you realize that people are watching you. I think it comes naturally to me, Julia. 
It made me feel responsible, but I didn't feel it was tough. I felt my job was easy because I just had to be myself now. I realized that just modeling certain behavior, just being myself when I talk without really, you know, strategizing or thinking too much, especially with the women, including things about child rearing. Because they ask, how many children do you have? How do you raise them? What time do they go to sleep? Like all this, women want to know. And for me, it's very easy, right? I'm just sharing my life because I'm living a life that I am proud of sharing. For me, that is leadership. In a way, I think I follow what Gandhi did. Practice what you preach. I'm not leading a different life and I'm not preaching a different thing to people. We're coming to the end of this wonderful conversation. I'm going to have to go away and think about it a lot. Thank you for sharing the moments in your journey. They were wonderful moments. How far do you think you are down your journey of learning as a leader? I turned 40 last year. And I think I'm halfway there. I have 40 more years in my life. I think journey as a leader will continue until I die. It's, it's a continuous process. It's not like I don't think you'll ever feel you've arrived. You've learned it all. What would you love to have as a moment in the journey that you know would take you even further? All the objects that I showed you and the moments that I shared, none of it I imagined. It just happened on the way and I learned from it. So I don't think I can come up with anything, but I know a wish that I have. I wish that every woman feels like a leader in her life. I wish that every woman I, I have touched through the work is able to voice her opinion, lead people, lead herself and people around her and is able to stand up. I feel that would be a moment when I say, okay, the job is done. Well, not the job is done. The, the baton is handed on. Oh, yes. Yes. And I don't know if it's a baton handed on, but like we're all carrying it together. Yeah. It's just that probably my face is seen in the front. A lot of us are carrying it at the same time. Just more people will join us. So that more people will join us. That, yes. I'm going to have to introduce Utara to this concept of leading rather than leader or leadership. I'll have a word with her, but I've, I, it's inevitable that we're going to slide back into the more common words rather than the verb which we're now so passionate about. Uh, I think over the last few minutes you have discovered why Utara was the first person to choose her objects. That was a privilege. It was a privilege to be on that journey with you, Utara. I have nothing more to say than that next week there'll be another extraordinary woman with her objects and come back and enjoy them. Lots of love in the meantime, Julia.
To become part of our movement and share your thinking with us, subscribe to the podcast and join the Women Emerging group on our website at womenemerging.org. We love all of the messages you send us. Keep them coming.